Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Welcome to Have You Seen This? Yeah. It's Jen. And Tim. And our favorite guest of all time. He is small of stature, but the women he loves are wide in width. It's Mike Rosen. What's up, Mike? Hey, it's me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you know, Josh Olson just threw his uh, iPod across the room, finding out he's not our favorite guest. Well, you know, I like to engender a healthy sense of competition among the people we have on the show because you don't want them to get too complacent. You don't want them to think that they might have a chance at a third mic position on a show with 80 listeners. Yes, fight for my affections. Exactly. And 80 listeners, that's like twice what I thought it was. <laughs> so, you know, we'll be uh we'll be remote and beautiful like a princess who's had her voice dubbed by the chick from House of Games. You should watch that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lindsay Krauss dubbed uh, Lizette Anthony in this movie. I think a lot of people have already guessed what we're talking about, but um, I'll throw it to the guest. Uh, Mike, what are we talking about today? I, I would not have guessed it from what you just said, because I know nothing about the production of this movie, but we are talking about Krull, the greatest film in human history. <laughs> okay, yeah, because my follow-up question was going to be why. Why are we talking about Krull? <laughs> because Krull fucking rules it rules a, a very small pi picturesque kingdom where nothing ever happens i have to say well yeah but you know that's okay. because that's because they need plenty of open spaces for adventuring <laughs> okay mike what single digit age were you when you first saw this movie i was uh geez i think i was about maybe like uh maybe like eight when i saw this uh, what what year did this come out? I 1983. Okay, so um, so technically I was four when it happened. If I if I saw it in a theater, which I don't think I did, I saw it on like home video. And um, for most of my youth, I remember just being like, ah, the spider. I like this. There's a giant spider in this movie. It's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, but then I saw it again as an adult, and I realized even though the spider is pretty cool, there's a lot more to recommend. Krull than simply a spider. The spider is pretty cool. Yeah. That's, but... that's, all, that's all I'm going to say. Well, I'll say this. <laughs> this is a film that has it all. It has spiders. It has action. It has adventure. It has romance. It has comedy. It has fire mares. It has a cyclops with real blinking action. And it has magic and mayhem. So if you want the movie... That will just just it just fill you with with joy and good feelings in a kind of good way. Get crawl. Right. I so, kind of faltered there. Yeah. So so crawl sounds good on paper. On film, however, that's a different story. <laughs> on film, it's even better. I think now, <laughs> I think I'm gonna fall in between the two of you because um, I I enjoy this movie in spite of its flaws um maybe that's because 
I'm always I'm always looking for a fantasy movie that actually works. There are so there are so few of them, um, and this one is somewhat derivative. It's it's amazing like how much it somewhat. it rips from from Star Wars, um, and improves. <laughs> well, we know how Mike feels about Star Wars. More Star like Wars Star Wars. If Star Wars was a big movie. It might have been influential. Exactly. And, you know, like genre entertainment tends to be derivative because, you know, you go to it to get like certain things out of it. Um, I have seen this on a big screen, albeit with a Rift Tracks commentary, um, which was very funny. Um, yeah, that'll change the whole whole experience. Yeah. And uh, I just revisited this one in uh, 1080p on my home screen. And, you know, I still had a good time. Um, it doesn't entirely hang together for me, but whatever i mean this movie really got savaged when it came out critics really did not care for it and it didn't it did not make its money back it was a budget of somewhere between 30 to 45 million dollars i think there was a lot riding on it that was a lot of money back then yeah and uh it it didn't happen but you know as we all know it's a it's a cult film and it has it has really nice effects but it is like narratively inert like and the problem is all these effects are in service of me just sitting there going, wait, who's this guy? What's going on? Why is this important? There, there are only 10 characters in the film. They're not that hard oh, to follow. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess that's my fault. <laughs> I mean, there are there are 10 characters, yes. There are some great actors in this. Um, you have uh, Francesca Annis, um, Freddie Jones, who, you know, later, people saw them in this and are like, I got to get those actors for Dune, which is what made Dune such a blockbuster. Uh, you have a young uh, Liam Neeson. Yep. You have um, uh, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, you have some other jerk-offs. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have a coterie of mostly British character actors who are the kind of people you get when you kind of want to elevate this material. Um, because oh they're going to they're they're going to look like they're taking it seriously. I think this was good preparation for Liam Neeson for doing uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, who his is his is his agent? I mean, <laughs> just playing like just these uh these I don't know walking sleeping pill characters. But the thing is, you can't say that Liam Neeson hasn't had like a really long and successful film career. And I mean, you know, you do a star Wars movie, like you're pretty much set for the rest of your life. If you have like a major role in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's saddled with this dull character. They, I mean, yeah, they elevate the material, but I mean, at, out of, out of 10, 10 characters and a lot of them being named stars, like the movie really has one star and it's that fucking spider knife, Thing that the guy holds. You mean the glaive? Uh, no, I mean the chakram, because a glaive is a sword or a pike. Check out, check oh, check out, also, check out yeah. the SEA nerd over here. Yeah, uh, nerd. Also, or, yeah, or a mambele, which would be the African equivalent of a tomahawk. Yes, they can call it a glaive, but a. Hmm. It is it is a misnomer writ large. It, did you write the review in Starlog that I found? Because you sound just like the guy. <laughs> you mean knowledgeable about things that are important? <laughs> yes. Great. I hope I sound like that guy. Honestly, like, um, you know, I have seen like other people quibbling about the glaive, and I really don't give a shit because I, I'm like, I don't know anything about weapons. Whatever. It's a thing that he uses yeah, at the end to like the kill person. the final boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. 
it's a it's a red herring. Yeah, uh, that's but... true. It actually doesn't kill the final boss. The power of love it what kills the final boss. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the this uh the 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 glaive, which is a, a chakram, that only works as like a skill saw to cut through the princess's prison. <laughs> it's, a, it's a magic saw blade. Now, um, before Mike starts crying, um, Tim, I do have to ask you, were you not able to use your um, special powers of turning um, most of the movies that we talk about on the show into some kind of tabletop role-playing game to, to get through it? Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I had to look up Glaive, because I'm like, that is not the correct term. <laughs> so I got out my compendium of contemporary weapons and flipped through that and saw that, sure enough, you know, the the chakram, the the token weapon used by Xena Warrior Princess is what they misattribute here as a glaive. It is a uh it is a uh a, a round uh it is a uh a a sharp edged disc for throwing that is, you know, it's of an Indian design. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh that that's one crucial thing. Another thing that I would take away from it, uh, you know, role playing wise, is that it does sound a lot like the adventures I run, which is they're pretty linear, they're railroading, <laughs> and there's not a lot of interesting stuff that happens. Uh, take for example, when um, when the old guy Freddie Jones is like, "Oh, you must get the glaive." You know, it's called a glaive, but it's not uh, an actual glaive. It's not a, a, a sword <laughs> or a pole arm. Uh, so he's like, "Oh, you got to get the glaive." So that is supposed to be the first part of his adventure. And the adventure is um, go to the mountains, go to the cave, root around in some lava, retrieve the item. Mm-hmm. There's no conflict anywhere in there. He doesn't have guy... to stick his hand in lava. Are there any ill effects that are suffered from that? Well, he's worthy. Yeah, he's the chosen one. Okay, so there's no, so there's nothing at stake. There's no yeah, actual challenge. No, see, we the audience didn't know if he was worthy before he did that, but then he did it, and we know now that he is worthy. He didn't know that he wasn't gonna get his hand burned off by lava when he did that. So if he wasn't worthy, then the movie would have been over. That's right. Yeah, which okay. honestly would have been pretty funny if he'd run out of the cave screaming with like a flaming stump. Yeah, or why didn't he just grab it like with a stick? Well, there were no it's, sticks okay. in the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah those no yeah. sticks in the cage, smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, jumping off from the glaive thing, I do have to read from the Starlog review. And um, kind of a, a, a mixed review of the movie, which I think is fair. He does delineate the, um, the positives and negatives of the film. Um, but his, uh, his quibble is not just with the glaive, but with the poster. And it, is, it, it goes thus. First, about that poster which is bound to be up somewhere in the theater when you go to see Krull. Even the dullest observer will notice the greenish-white rays flashing from the upraised glaive, and the logical assumption that it is, in fact, some sort of energy weapon with which Colwyn attempts to blast the bad guys. Well, let me tell you all right now, so you won't sit through the whole movie waiting for him to blast somebody the way I did. The glaive, although it does some nifty things, does not shoot out rays from its arms as shown on the posters. And Colwyn never holds it up and blasts with it like that, any more than Carrie Fisher ever showed as much leg in Star Wars as she does on the posters. I hate deceptive posters, and I wish they hadn't done that. 
Oh my so god, stick he... this guy's head in a fucking toilet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So that's why he gave Kroll and uh, Star Wars half a star. Um, also, I'm going to point out, nah, first of all, what the fuck? Oh, it's just an energy weapon. Shut the fuck up. Secondly, it's, it is a glaive. A glaive is not the name of the kind of weapon it is. A glaive is the name of the thing. It is the glaive. You, it's, it's not just like you, any old throwing star. It's the weapon that, you know, it's the MacGuffin. It's the thingy that shows that he's chosen. That's why it's the glaive. Also, I don't see any other, what do they call shockers? That have little, like, um, that, that have, that have things that stick out of them like that. Little knives. They don't have knives it's on a shocker. It's a switchblade chakram. That's right. That makes it, that's why it's, it's very unique. No one else in the world glaive, of Krull yeah. has, a, has a glaive. If you made a chakram, it would not be the glaive. Uh, Mike, if you uh, if you have a problem with this article, I suggest get in touch with a guy called Lawrence Watt Evans. But be careful because it says Lawrence that whatever. he's a Kentucky-based novelist who specializes in sword and sorcery. He also writes a regular <laughs> column for the Comic Buyer's Guide. So you know, formidable opponent. Oh, oh, you know what? You know, I think I'm going to put on my Letterman jacket and stick him in a locker. <laughs> um, I, having read some of the uh, review contemporary reviews by critics in 1983, all I can say is uh, these guys are absolute clowns who do not know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> they're, and th this is a movie that, yeah, it has its problems. It's not a great movie. But True. I think what's happened is everyone is like, now, well, uh, we, we're just going to, uh, it's not Star Wars, so we're just going to say it's bad. And then everyone it just got that reputation. Everyone's just agreeing like, oh, yeah, we're just going to say this movie is bad so that we look smart. We look like a discerning audience who doesn't like derivative fantasy, even though this fantasy, I will say, is substantially less derivative than the beloved Willow. That is a derivative <laughs> fantasy movie. This movie has a lot of weird shit in it that I've never seen in any other fantasy film or fantasy book for that matter. It's just weird. And that's probably just as well. Um, I, why why are we reviewing these movies then? Between this and Willow, my God! <laughs> no, we just wanted to know how you'd shit on them. I mean, this. I mean, it is. <laughs> Thank you for wasting my time. <laughs> this movie does have the basic structure of a you know basic quest fantasy film. You know where it's like, oh no, there's a guy. He's kidnapped the princess. We got to get together a party and go into the wilderness and fight some monsters on the way to the evil castle. Which you know, when when you kill the villain, it will collapse because that's how it works. So yeah, the basic structure is is pretty standard. But there's all sorts of wacky adventures along the way, and you know the Are there. But they're for a given level of wackiness. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Oh, guys, if you're starved for wackiness. I am just saying that, like, I can watch this film, you know, today in the year of our Lord 2021 and be, yes, I was entertained. I can watch the original Star Wars in this year and be like, well, that's a fucking slog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I prefer films that are not boring. And this film is not boring. Well, uh, yeah, you had me up until the end. Well, I got to I got to be honest, like this is this kind of sounds like a case of pick your poison here because um and you know, keeping in mind that this is a anti-prequel and probably anti-sequel podcast. Um yes, you know, yeah, completely unnecessary. Tim and I are like original trilogy folks, like I don't, you know, Mike has never been interested in Star Wars. Um I came to More like Star Wars. <laughs> Did I say that before? <laughs> 
it bears repeating. <laughs> is the joke so nice? I said it twice. <laughs> um, I came to this movie kind of late, so I sort of knew what to expect. Um, I didn't know if you had actually seen it before, though, Tim, had you? No, so thanks for ruining that for me. Like, are you going to make me listen to Call Me Maybe now? It, it, That's a good song. I'll take your word for it. Wait, what, 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 I don't get the Call Me Maybe reference. I've never listened to Call Me Maybe. Oh, well, that's really? fine. Oh, Tim, you're yeah. missing out. That song's I don't involved. feel like I am. <laughs> I think there's a subreddit of people who have never heard it. It's fine. It's kind of like Never Broke a Bone. Yeah, I you like, mean, um... like the subreddit of, like, uh, of, of Buzz Killington's. <laughs> I um uh, people who do not pollute their ears. <laughs> I like I like other songs by her better. Okay, she's pretty good. Well, we should call this episode "Crawl Me Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> there, see, it was all worth it. <laughs> I, it all I wouldn't go that, that far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well. Uh, gosh, where to start? Um, well, sci-fi and fantasy can coexist, and I will point to the He-Man and She-Ra cartoons as evidence thereof, but it does not the work The cartoons? Here. Well, it works fine. It works perfectly good. Wait, 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 wait. The cartoons? The He-Man cartoon? Those, um, you know, I, I... I like He-Man. Like, I like the, I like the, the characters. I like those iconic designs, but... Those those are not good cartoons. Well, all right. Uh, are you really more of a My Little Pony or uh, like uh, G.I. Joe? Or I love the ponies, but that was not a good cartoon either. Strawberry Shortcake? Uh, those, I... None of those. And Mike can back me up on this. None of those 80s cartoons were good. They were literally just like a medium to sell toys. Yeah, they're all bad, except for, for dinosaurs. But, uh... Okay, well, maybe it's the, the premise then. Well, the, the thing is... Uh... I think that fantasy, fantasy and science fiction can coexist, and they yeah. they per, do perfectly well in this because the plot is it's a fantasy world, you know, a fantasy world, and then a space monster flies his spaceship into the world and decides to take it over. It's like, oh yeah, science fiction thing just crashing a fantasy world makes total sense. Much more sense than fucking He Man, where He Man is like, I got a magic sword, but I also have a laser. Okay, you have both of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sure. I find it interesting that you take issue with He-Man and yet you praise Crawl. Yeah, because I like good things. <laughs> that, no, that you like Crawl. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't scan. Well, let's let's ex okay. So someone should explain what Crawl actually is, since we've been talking like twenty minutes, just yelling. Oh, good, oh yeah. No good. Good. Okay. Bad. Well, we should. Yeah. Well, Crawl. Kroll is the name of the planet this takes place on, which is like if you called Lord of the Rings Middle-Earth the movie. So already I don't get that. Um, it It is, yeah, like Mike said, it's a, it's a space monster, comes to a medieval world, and he abducts a princess because he just loves cliche. Yeah, he's doing the Bowser thing, you know? Yeah. He wants to marry her. And so her boyfriend, Colwyn, the, the man with the tightest pants in all the kingdom, he has to get a, a band of merry men together and go fuck up the beast shit and save her. And uh, to do so, he has to get the glaive, which is, uh, sorry, a shock, a shocker. It's a chakram. <laughs> He's got to do the, the shocker to uh, it, it, did you the Did beast. you not watch Xena Warrior <laughs> Princess or even Hercules Legendary Journeys? <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, I I was too. 
too busy rewatching Crawl, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I don't pollute my eyes with inferior uh, <laughs> entertainment products. Okay. Uh, yeah, so then, and on the way, yeah, they, they see a bunch of, they do some monster shit, and, um, you know, then they, they fuck up the beast and save the girl, and everything ends happily. The end. That's, that's, and that's Krull. That's the basic outline of Krull. It doesn't sound like much, but, you know, <laughs> yes. they, they, I think they, uh, they equip themselves adequately, because, you know, if, mm -hmm. if my exposure to Krull was just listening to Mike's summary, I'd be like, yeah, okay. And then I would be glad to have been done with it rather than have spent two hours watching it. But here's here's the thing, though, that I say is okay. like, OK, so I enjoy this movie because the the feel of this film, first of all, the vibe of this film, it's it's a swashbuckling adventure. It's very much like a like, I don't know, Captain Blood or the old Errol Flynn Robin Hood. It just yeah. has that vibe. In fact, you know? um, Peter Yates, who directed it, said that they were specifically trying to get a little bit of a of a captain blood errol flynn feel yeah. in there um peter yates as some of you will know also directed bullet which is weird um he also directed breaking away which is a pretty good uh coming of age movie um Not a lot of swashbuckling in either of those though no but peter yates read the script and and thought it was interesting i would be really i i would be curious to read the original script because apparently it was called the dragons of krull and um, at some point, they dispensed with the dragon. I think like that's a little expensive. Yeah. Well, I think well, because they, they um, uh, the movie Dragon Slayer with Peter McNichol had come out and failed. I'm honestly not sure why so many people tried to make fantasy movies in the in the in the 80s. And honestly, like I salute them for it because it seems like they were constantly just fighting this uphill battle. Um, you know, like a fantasy movie would be made, it would come out, it would not make its money back. Somebody would try again. Um, eventually yeah someone had to learn the hard way each time <laughs> just like and i mean this this kind of reminds me a lot you know not just of dune a lot of the visual effects seem very or aesthetics seem very dune reminiscent even though this came out the year before um this is also similar to dark crystal another beloved movie that uh did not perform well at the box office Tim, uh, what do you yeah. think of dark crystal I love Dark Crystal, but then again, I saw it while Mike was jerking himself off to crawl. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch Dark Crystal when I was a child. I don't... It's, it's it's great. Yeah, it's... A bunch of fucking puppets. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I know you love Dark Crystal. No, Dark Crystal's <laughs> fine. It's a fine film. I enjoy it. Uh, you know, speaking of Dune, um, I feel a little bad for Francesca Annis because she did this movie, then she did Dune, and then she did mm -hmm. Under the Cherry Moon. Uh, yeah, you think Liam Neeson had it bad. By the way, um, it's actually Francesca Anus because Tim wants to see hers. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the lie? As Jen would she say. She's a very beautiful woman. She's a very beautiful woman. Yeah, and, and I was looking forward to seeing her in this through this whole ponderous, like, 70 minutes of this fucking thing. And then finally she shows up and she's got, like, the old age makeup and then she's rejuvenated talking to Thufer. And I'm like, oh, that's very sweet. Uh, the rest of the movie, though, like you could cut the rest of the movie out, and I wouldn't be upset. Well, you they know, they couldn't give you too much of her. They have a little bit, so the audience is like, "Oh, that was good. It was just the right amount of Francesca Anus." Yes, <laughs> you know, um, just a little kiss of anus. And that's yeah. what and that's what Ray Fiennes said when he cheated on her. Uh, oh, what a cad! What yeah, a jerk exactly. face. He, you um, know, um, I think that uh, I think he left someone for Francesca, and then. 
and then cheated on her with someone else. I could be wrong. It might be yeah, the Hollywood. I, I mean, maybe yeah, she. We'll, we'll do a separate episode about that. Maybe she fucked around on someone else and got with Ray Fines, but I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But um, they were together for for well, at least a decade. Never married, but you know, all good things must yeah. come to an end. And it's um, yeah, and she does the, get a like and or with credit, which is nice. That's you know, that's how you know to look forward to her. That's right, and because you know her scene's going to be good, whatever she's in. I will say. Um, when I when I saw this movie uh, in is one of those uh, fathom shows where you know they broadcast to like a number of theaters around the country for for riff tracks. Mm. I I was watching and I was like, okay, you know, this is this is pretty much what I expected. Like it's uh, you know it's pretty rote, but the widow and the web scene is so weird that that was yeah. the point where the movie kind of won me over. Because it's it's like they took a short story and inserted it into the middle of this bland script. Well, yeah, because there's like so much weird, heavy shit in that scene. Yeah. Like what? Like, what did what did he do to her to make her kill their son? Well, he left her. <laughs> she's he had she's du- a shitty person. She's no, a shitty mother. That's well, damn. She must have been. Jen, that's why I left her. He had duties and responsibilities. Ambitions, Mike. Oh, is that what he said? Oh, that's what she says. That's that's a, yeah, that's her counter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the point is, so obviously they're, they're... she kills the son, and then her punishment is to be in this giant spider web. I by I don't know who's punishing her. There's apparently a lot going on in the world of Kroll that we don't get to see in this film. Um, right. Not a lot is explained about the world. Um, in fact, it maybe you might say it's a real shame that it uh, it flopped so much because we will never get the expanded Kroll universe that will explain all this weird <laughs> shit that's going on in it. That's, you know? that's, you know, it's funny because I was thinking while I was watching it, I was like, I'm kind of glad that this flopped because I'm glad that there was at no point has there been people trying to explain like, oh, let me They're fill like out a- the backstory between um, Wiener or whatever his name is and the lady, the lady of the web or like, oh, uh, let me Widow of the him. web. Thank you. There, there, there's not like a dark moon, like expanded universe, <laughs> like novelization or something that they're reading on. <laughs> 372 pages yeah like sometimes i just you know shadow moon sorry sometimes it's just cool to get like a glimpse of a history between characters and you know that's what makes the scene stand out is that i mean there is history here yeah they actually gave like a modicum of texture to these characters rather than being like well he's the future king and she's the guy the girl that he's supposed to marry and then there's some rogues who are like okay we'll help I feel well, kind of I feel kind of bad for Ken Marshall who plays the lead uh, Prince Cohen because I mm-hmm. think he does fine. He got a, he got pretty a uh, pretty good drubbing from critics for being bland or whatever. But a lot yes. of times hero characters are pretty bland. And I was reading, um, you know, they did they did some press around the time that the movie came out, obviously to kind of try to make something out of their their male lead, and he was talking about something which I think um, all, many actors who followed in his footsteps found out working on movies like, um, you know, the, the Star Wars prequels. Um, and this is a quote from Ken Marshall. The hardest thing for the actors in these movies is having to act in a scene where there's an effect which won't be inserted until months later. Uh, Peter Yates kept us going by describing what was missing. But you do feel silly at times. There you are stabbing this thing, which is supposedly in agony and melting when your blade passes through. Yet you're standing there not knowing what you're doing. Now, you would think in a situation like that, you would want to laugh. But the opposite is true. You must really concentrate to get through those scenes. They really demand all of your imagination and concentration. 
Yeah, that's what Ian McKellen was lamenting about working on the uh, Middle Earth movies. Sorry, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and um, these are um, and these are very like highly trained actors. Like, um, uh, you know, like Ken Marshall is actually like a you know legitimate like stage trained actor. You know, he's learned like um, sword fighting and all that other shit. And you know, he gets a shot at a feature, and it just sinks like a stone. I feel bad for the guy because he did he did an okay job. It's uh, it was it was you know it's when you have to carry the movie and you're not given a lot to work with. I you know I do like I do feel like he and Lizette Anthony have chemistry in you know their brief scenes together. I mean they really seem like they want to fuck. Yeah, yeah well yeah. I mean that's just being a regular charming actor. Well no the actors are fine they're all fine all the actors in this film are fine I don't know why everyone keeps shitting on them they all acquit themselves adequately um and this film I mean it's it's a film that I'm just going to say it, it's a fantasy adventure film. We don't need super deep characters. The characters just need to be sketched enough that we know what their deal is and we vaguely care about them. And this film did that for me. I mean, I watch is like, okay, magician, comic relief. I get it. Okay, <laughs> Cyclops, stoic. He's he's tragic. I get it. Ah, a lovable rogue. I get it. You know, it, it all fits. And they have very brief character um you know, uh, moments that kind of like I would I would compare to like Mad Mardigan and Willow arguing about uh, feeding the baby in Willow. Uh, there are small moments like that throughout this film that help to establish the characters. Uh, like Ergo and Ren probably have about like three scenes together and spend five minutes uh, in the entire film. But at, when it comes to the point where Ren is saying, or Rel, Ren, or, I don't forget, but the, the Cyclops, matter. when he's saying, I have to stay here, and Ergo says, we had no time. I believe that. I felt that. I felt, oh, yeah, they have established a friendship by this point. Well, yeah, um, because he starts off being, like, really afraid of the Cyclops, as any normal person would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I'm saying they don't spend a whole lot of time in this relationship, but you get a couple scenes and just enough so that you kind of get, you know, you understand it and, uh, you know, you, you feel kind of bad when they, they have to break up. Um, and there are other <laughs> things, too, like, you know, like uh, Torquin when he's all like, "Oh, when when Colwyn says to Torquin, the bat, the the bandit leader, okay, here's the keys, unlock your manacles," and he's like, "I'll do it. Well, I'll unlock them when I finish this quest, or I'll die in them." A very very typical fantasy rogue type thing to say, but it establishes, okay, I know what kind of character this is, and you know, you you know, you kind of like him. Um, well, and they got it. They and they did get a little bit of a through line, um, you know, going through the movie. Where at the end, like he has the opportunity to unlock his manacles, but you get the impression that he's going to stick with the new king. Yes. Um, so you know, like that's happening. And you um, know, I know we don't. And people are saying, "Oh, Liam Neeson doesn't, you know, have a lot to do." Yeah, he's basically like Rogue Number Four. I mean, whatever. He's not <laughs> yeah, a main character. There's... You've got, There's a lot of that. Yeah, it's like, look, you got your king, your comic relief sorcerer, a cyclops, uh, the head rogue, the old guy, a child, and then a bunch of generic like cannon fodder. We don't <laughs> care about. I mean, they're they're cool to be there, but they're there to die to so the plot can continue. You know, because this isn't fucking Star have less... Wars. It's not a movie for babies. People die in this movie, <laughs> and you know Maybe... they have dramatic death scenes where they say it was all worth it. Blah, and it's like, oh man. 
big mood. If the if they're cannon fodder, maybe have less of that. Maybe have less filler in your fantasy movie. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta have every fantasy movie involves the quest to get to the castle. You can't just appear at the castle and be like, "We're just gonna fight the big bad now." The movie would be ten minutes long. <laughs> and why is that castle so hard to get to? It seems like the teleportation thing just comes from out of nowhere and doesn't really mean anything. Well, it's because it's, it's space it monsters. Seems... That's kind of oh, okay, neat, though. Yeah. Uh, like, um... why, why does it travel through space if it can teleport? Okay, yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because okay. it's a fantasy movie, yeah. all right? Oh. Now, now if, and if you're a nerd, you'd look at this and be mm-hmm. like, well, these things don't make any sense. If you're a normal person... You watch a fantasy movie and things happen that are weird and you're like, well, yeah, of course, because it's a fantasy movie. That's what happens. It's like at the end when they kill the beast and his castle just falls apart. There's no reason for it to do that. But if you watch fantasy movies, you know that's a thing that happens. And this is a fantasy movie. So it happens. Mike, right, is, so Mike is sponsored just... by TV Tropes. <laughs> yeah, just just turn off your brain and, and enjoy just it. Just saying man. if the castle did not collapse and they just walked out, people would be like, what the fuck? Shouldn't the castle collapse? And then he'd be like, I guess not, but seems kind of weird. I'm just Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 antagonist did get killed, apparently, but you know, the castle didn't fall yeah, down. He yeah, he ate a glaive. How, how else would I know? How will you know? Look, yeah. It's a it's a movie, it's got um I'm just, I'm just saying it's it's a fantasy movie, so there's certain things that happen in fantasy movies. Right. Uh, I will agree with Jen that, yeah, there are good actors in this. It is the material, I think, that fails them. Uh, you know, all the actors, you know, do do what they're supposed to. But um, Ergo, who's a, you know, the, the actor has a history in British comedy. He's not so much like the a Joker character. Yeah, he's not so much <laughs> a Joker as just kind of a guy who talks a lot. That more is than a being very British com- face, too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Like, just from looking at him, you're like, I know I've seen like he's like if um what uh uh Rob Rob Brydon and um uh and now I can't think of his name now Alan Partridge oh um well Jackie uh, Coogan? Geez, Steve Co- Steve Coogan if Steve Jackie Coogan and Rob Coogan. Brydon yeah yeah same same guy <laughs> Uncle if Fester Steve, yeah yeah if if Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon had a baby they would look like this guy ugh God he has. One of those British comic faces. Maybe, um, maybe the widow of, of the web had a baby that looked like that, and that's why she killed it. <laughs> maybe the baby was Alan Partridge. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you knew that, you'd be like, "All right, I can see you doing that." Yeah, pretty much. Uh, kill this baby. It's so annoying. Um, <laughs> such a twat. <laughs> Rolling the ball. <laughs> um. Jeez, I you had another point too about um you know these being thankless roles, and I don't know, um I don't know where the lead for Krull you know, you know gets off having a problem with this. I mean you know did did the lead of the um Star Wars uh prequels Jake Lloyd or Hayden Christensen did they complain? Yes, they at all. You you mean Star Wars? Right, right. Oh, I mean, like, I mean, you mean um, the one who had a schizophrenic breakdown and the other one who quit acting? Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe oh, that's because okay. they were they were in bad movies, unlike Troll. 
I mean, would you rather that uh, Ken Marshall had a psychotic break after he made Krull? <laughs> no, no. I, was, I mean, I was being sarcastic. Like, I was saying that we're seeing a pattern here. No, I know. I, I, Yes, Tim, I know how your sense of humor works. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> you know, though, another thing about Ken Marshall, like, I don't know why everyone's down on him. Like you said, he does fine. He's doing that. He's really channeling that Errol Flynn energy where he's like, he's always happy to be fighting, you know? And yes. um, he... He, I just love killing things. Yeah, he like, loves so, killing so things. Glad. And yeah. uh, I, I, you know, the romance in this, it's again, everything in this movie is pretty perfunctory because it's like, look, we got a lot of material to cover. So the mater- the romance isn't like huge, but there's enough that I'm like, yeah, I buy this. Uh, we get to see a nice scene where he's loyal to her instead of like fucking the, the weird beast changeling woman. And Oh, we that's get- right. Because yeah. uh, Liam Neeson apparently is like a pro wrestler and has a wife in every town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, even Liam Neeson gets a moment to shine. We hear that he like likes to fuck. <laughs> that, is, that is a rich moment that pays off later. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got them all fed because... Um, actually, I know, I think... They eat the wenches. Yeah, there yeah is they're one, wandering wenches <laughs> in the woods. There is one big criticism I have of this film. Well, I have, I have several, but one I'll mention now. Okay. And that is I really feel like they dropped the ball when Liam Neeson dies. He doesn't say like, oh, tell my wife I love her. And they're like, oh, which one? <laughs> <laughs> that would have redeemed the movie <laughs> to a degree. Yeah, um, But they didn't, they didn't want to upset the kitties. Yeah, so here's uh, another thing, too. When, um, when Thufer goes to see the uh, uh, Spider-Woman, and then he goes and, you know, he has this big, uh, you know, heart to heart with her. Then she dies and then he gets back and then he dies. Everyone's just kind of hanging out. Yeah. They're... Like no one else had anything to do. Well, they're waiting for him to they come back. To... Yeah, they have to wait yeah. for him to come back because he's the um, he has to see the widow of the web because she's the only one who can tell him uh, where the I... black fortress is going to land because they already killed off the one wizard. Yeah, I understand that like narratively like within like the own internal consistent logic of the story but as someone who is watching the movie i don't get that well i guess it's a well i guess the problem is when they were making this film they were like we should have the actors all acting as if they were actually the characters and this is all real instead of saying okay actors you should be like pretending that you're all actors playing parts and just like fuck around so that like uh, no no i mean how about like they write it so that the <laughs> actors have to pretend to do something interesting i mean not to not to ask well, too much well what I you mean, doing? You they have nothing to do because they they literally can't do anything until the do- it's also it's it's also like literally two seconds where they're like where he runs up and they're like around a campfire and he dies and it's like what what should they even doing in those two seconds like, I don't, you know, it, was, I don't, it was long enough for I, me to wonder. I don't understand why you would cut away from the widow and the web scene, though. Yeah, exactly. Why would you? Like, I mean, I understand that, you know, maybe you want to see what Alyssa's doing in, you know, because she's trapped in the Black Fortress, which um, I, I really like the production design in those scenes. That's the, Those are pretty cool. But, um, uh, yeah. you know, if you were to give them like a... a I mean, it's don't Tim. Don't you get irritated playing side quests in video games? You know, when you gotta help some like farmer find their lost child or something, or like, oh, get all these coins in under a minute. You know, you don't. I am cut no away. more. <laughs> I am no more irritated by anything than side quests in video games. It's like, 
oh, I work for you now. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need you to yeah save the land, otherwise all of us will die. But first, we need you to herd these goats. Yeah. Like fuck off. I especially hate time trials. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's mostly because of rubber banding and yeah. Like no matter how good you do, someone's always going to be on your ass. It's like, fuck you, game. You cheat. Mario Kart. Well, it's like I want to play a game to relax. Like time trials just make me tense. Right. But um, but that's neither here nor there. Like um, but no. Was, the, the important I'm... thing is that like if you wanted to to establish some kind of pressure, like the only pressure they have is like the castle teleports. So you have to hurry up and get there before it moves again. But I mean, there are other ways to do that because the teleporting castle is kind of arbitrary. It's like yeah, every day it moves. For some reason, uh, well, uh, so well, you need to hurry up. Well, um, perhaps the perhaps the beast decided I will have my castle transport teleport every day so that a group band of heroes doesn't just ride up here and fuck my shit up. Maybe he planned he it out because he's a, why does he he's an, he rules the universe. He didn't get that why, place by being an idiot. Why doesn't he just leave? <laughs> Why does he just leave? He's in a spaceship. He's got to first. His slayers are supposed to conquer the world of Krull. They have to go around and fuck shit up for a while. Does he need to be there for that? Like my boss doesn't come over to my apartment and be like, "Hey, you working?" Okay. Apparently, the beast is a hands-on boss. He's not an absentee landlord or some shit. Okay. (laughs) Tim, your like your boss or any boss would a hundred percent come to your house. If he could, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. They like um, employers don't like that their employees have free times. Free time. I think we've all realized that at our ages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that at least you know does track with the uh, with the guy being the villain. Basically, um, I'm saying I, he's like he's a micromanager. Right. You know. Okay. I will. Um, I will agree with Tim on one problem with this film, though. Um, yeah. I don't know if Tim has mentioned this, but like I'm sure Tim will agree with this. <laughs> One big problem with the narrative of this film is that it's like, oh, um, we're going to introduce a problem, uh, and immediately here's the solution. Where it's like, oh yeah, the problems don't last longer than one scene. Yeah, it's like, oh, we need to know where the the castle is. Oh well, uh, only the Emerald Seer can know. Oh, he's dead. Oh, good thing there's another solution that we didn't mention until this very point. Oh no, but right. the the Iron Desert is like a million leagues from here. Good thing there are fire mares, which we haven't mentioned until this point. So, horses. Yeah, you know, horses. there's a yeah. lot of that shit. I'm surprised yeah, watched... that Mike is so enthusiastic about a movie in which horses are a pivotal plot point, to be honest. Well, um... Folks, he's afraid of them. I'm not right. afraid well, of I was... them. Mike's afraid of horses. I'm not afraid of horses. <laughs> well, I, was, I was watching this movie out of the corner of my eye while doing something more interesting, and, and I see get to the scene with a pack of horses, and I'm like, yep, Jen's loving this part right now. <laughs> they were played by Clydesdales. Yeah, they're fire mares. Right. You know, like Budweiser type horses. Yeah. Yeah, I know what a Clydesdale is. I don't care. Also, um, also, are they're all mares? Like, how does that work? They're fire mares. Wait. They're lesbian horses, Jen. Oh, yeah. you know what? Be inclusive. Oh, oh, okay. So they're living. They're lesbian separatist horses. That makes sense. Or maybe they're like in Jurassic Park, where all the dinosaurs are female. They're horses from the Isle of Lesbos. That's what I mean. <laughs> Although I gotta say, like a couple of those horses did have junk. So. 
I don't know what they're tell- trying to tell us with this fire uh, You know, you're being very gender essentialist about these horses. Oh, shit. I just realized I'm being kind of transphobic. I apologize. Um, yeah. You know, like a, 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 a fire American... Trans equi A fire American have a penis or a vagina, whatever she wants. I yeah. apologize. It doesn't even have to be on fire or a horse. Yeah. Yes. We all know a, a fire American have like a gigantic horse dong or just like an enormous <laughs> horse vagina. Uh, I mean, either way, meat curtains. Yeah. You know, flappy horse meat curtains that you can use it as like a saddle. (laughs) (laughs) I like, um, I also like what they do in this movie where obviously it would be too much trouble for a feature to like make like, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say like accurate saddles because you know you're it's it's the planet krull like what the hell would a saddle on the planet krull look like so they just take like regular english saddles and they cut just kind of cover them up with fabric so you can't see that they're regular english saddles right well maybe the english saddle was invented on krull and then they brought it here um, yeah the english didn't ride english until 1983 oh yeah yep. i'm sorry yeah. this 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 fantasy film that has a fucking like I don't know, Beksinski organic castle in it. And we're all busy talking <laughs> about the fucking saddles being boring. Jiminy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's care it's that almost much like the, the movie saddles. didn't hold I our just... attention enough to like make, to like let those things kind of uh, escape our attention. Well, I, I certainly didn't mm. notice any saddles in this movie. So I guess it held my attention. Well, just yeah, fine. you were, you were too busy trembling behind the couch because you're deathly afraid of horses. I'm not you afraid of horses. You're afraid of horses, Mike. It's not true. This everyone okay. listening, I am not afraid of horses. Your wife and okay. I both know that you are deathly afraid of horses. Okay, that's so why you are... hate horses so much. You got it. You're you're like my dog. You got to act like a you know real hateful, like you know to front, but I, deep down inside, Mike you're is, Mike is not a colossal colossal asshole like your dog <laughs> i'm not scared yes, of horses i'm merely a bigot <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you excuse you tim you know for a fact that mike is an asshole <laughs> not on the level of your dog uh so so anyway we're talking about crawl uh one of the things that i noticed and i pointed this out in other movies that are not interesting is that you will see the music or you'll hear the music bending over backwards to carry scenes that do not deserve the emotional weight that the music is trying to imbue them with. Very nice score It'll, by James Horner. Very, very yes. swashbuckly. Yeah, like there's, you know, symphonic strings and, you know, these like, you know, uh, you know, trumpets blaring. And it's just like it's a guy walking up a hill. <laughs> and it's like, you have not earned this. I like it. I mean, you know. You I prefer, don't because. For a, um, it, I mean, it is, it does seem retrograde now because um, I think, well, I don't know. I feel, I feel like. Film music has gotten much more subtle um, as time has gone on. Like, for example, like um, movies don't really do comedy m- music anymore, thankfully, because, you know, it's, yeah. it's too well, obvious. Well, there are two ways to do that, and the bad one is the one that you hear. It's, it's I, the one that you notice. Right. Well, um, but, uh, you know, it is an adventure film, and, you know, like if you're watching Captain Blood or The Seahawk or The Adventures of Robin Hood, you got that really great... Uh, Eric well, same, Korngold's score. Well, sa- well, same as it goes with music, with music and comedy, as music as it does with music and adventure. It's there to support the material, not to like make you feel a certain way without the material doing any of the heavy lifting. Like if it, it enhances what you're already seeing, it. But in this case, the music is a stand-in for adventure. Be like, hey, we're playing all the adventure hits. 
Like, it must be an adventure, right? Like, we're playing goofy music. This must be a funny scene, right? Like, that's not how it works. It's there to elevate it. It's there as, you know, a, um, you know, it's a little bit of, like, spice to, you know, enhance the flavor rather than try to be like a whole, you know, meal. I don't know. This might, this might just be a case of, again, pick your poison where maybe Mike and I are a little more forgiving of the the the, the kind of tropiness of, of movies like this, you know, like Crawl or, well, you know, like I don't think, maybe, I don't know. It's, this, this it's movie... a static shot. Of, it's a static wide shot of a guy climbing up like the side of a hill. And it's, we have this, you know, symphony blaring. Sure, I mean, I mean that... it's a, it's a, it, but. It, it's a, it's an impressive vista, and there's impressive music to go with it. Yeah. Hey, he's. I mean, it, a, is this the part where he's trying to get music. to the cave to get the glaive? Because like rocks yeah. are falling. That's rocks are falling I, on him. <laughs> I really feel like this is a matter of taste, and and I will say that you know if I were, uh, you know if I were to be saddled with Krull, uh, today for some. Now reason, is that an English saddle or a Krullian saddle? <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know that I would necessarily take the um, the corn gold approach with the mu- the music or the James Horner approach. I would probably tone it down because really the convention now is to be a little more subtle with the music cues. But for something like this, which is supposed to be about like heroic deeds, I'm like, oh, you know, this is nice music. I like it. Whatever. I mean, it's, it's of its time. I don't see the music in this being any more... Um... Uh, presumptuous than the the fucking orchestral score of star wars where they're like you know blasting those like those heroic themes constantly when luke is like just sitting around with his dick in his hand or something you know <laughs> now I it's mean, a lightsaber mike oh well same oh, oh. That, well yeah that's what you want to call them <laughs> i mean in in universe they refer to him as dick <laughs> it's no glaze like no 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 yeah. han solo said we'll be sitting ducks out here mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll be sucking dicks out here <laughs> We'll see if they've done that. Star Wars would have been interesting. dot net. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I don't have a problem with the music. I think the music is good. It's just that the film doesn't support what the music is saying. I mean, if that if maybe that scene where he's climbing the hill, but I mean, the music works just fine when he's like uh, being chased by a giant spider, or you know, uh, I I like I do like the scene with the spider. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a giant animated uh, stop motion spider. Francesca Annis in old makeup and um, these two characters talking obliquely about their shared history. I like that. The rest of the movie, I could take I could take or leave. You know, one thing, I like that they're talking kind of obliquely about their shared history because mm-hmm. this is very obviously a film made in a different era where it was okay for things to not be explained. Like, you could just let the audience fill some things in and be like, oh, yeah, okay, they have history. That sounds great. As opposed to yes. nowadays where they'd be like, look, we need to, like, fill in every single fucking gap when, and then just do, like, uh, and then do, like, infinite, like, you know, um, auxiliary heuristic material as well. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of yeah, nice. That's, that's... A, a Coke snowflake, I think, is what it is. We, uh, uh, Mike, I believe that's... you co-authored a book that mention that oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a great book i read it i've read it several times it's a um, good book it was a great book yeah it came out eight years ago by my um, book <laughs> the book is misunderstanding comics folks written by tim heiderich uh illustrated by mike rosen 
you could probably find it on uh i don't uh, don't go to amazon there's probably a copy on a libris or something like that that's yeah. the service i, or, I hope uh, well you can books. you can go to misunderstandingcomics.com and just buy a copy directly oh yeah i think tim still has some boxes of it so yeah go to misunderstanding yeah. go to misunderstandingcomics.com buy a copy uh tim will send it to you in uh, a black poly bag i think yeah and then you can see what uh, we've been yelling yeah. about <laughs> um but yeah i should have like, done more to promote it but we promote, sorry um i should have done more ah tim don't worry about it yeah you know we we it's got the we, long we tail struggled um yeah <laughs> we uh god what was i saying about you know uh, like yeah i agree with mike because um that was kind of what i was getting at earlier where uh you know everything has to, like every last piece of intellectual property has to be mined to exhaustively death which is why we're currently in a universe of just endless star wars spin-offs um you know and marvel let's not forget oh yeah like well i was i mean there is i was just trying to think of all the products that we have with star wars because you know you not only do you have the features you know you have spin-off movies from the main characters you had a movie about like one of the main characters when he was younger that no one wanted to see um I feel really bad for Alden Ehrenreich because he's a really good actor and I don't know what happened to him after Solo. I think he did a TV show. Um, you got TV shows like The Mandalorian. Uh, you got like animated shows that I could also give less of a fuck about. I'm just, and I was the, like Star Wars was the coolest thing in the world to me when I was 14. And, you know, I still enjoyed it like as an adult, but now I'm just like, I just don't care anymore. I'm just like, stop. I just want to see something different. Yeah, after the sequels, I just could not give a shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean... And I, I, it's like, maybe it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's good. Maybe it, maybe it is. But I just, I can't work of enthusiasm for it anymore. Yeah, and uh, I didn't even bother to see the third sequel. <laughs> I still haven't <laughs> seen it. You, you aren't missing anything. Yeah, yeah I, was, I figured. Well, you know, that is a thing. Is like everything that um, could possibly have any kind of fan base who are now you know, entering middle age is going to be resurrected and just gutted. Uh, so we're going to see infinite you know, uh, Ghostbusters and Dark Crystal remakes and prequels and sequels and whatever. But Krull is a beautiful shining diamond. Its failure means that it will forever remain perfect. It will. It'll. It. It shall never grow old. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, let's talk about that fucking castle, though. That fucking rules. The the black fortress. Yeah, like uh, Leah, at least Lisette, whatever her name is, she spends a whole movie just Maybe running Lisa. around in this weird fortress. She's which is very clearly like kind of organic. Like she's at one point on like in the beast in an eye. There's another structure that very closely resembles like teeth. It's weird um and people say this film is derivative i've never people say this film is derivative about a space monster in, in, a, in a biomechanical castle who's got a bunch of like fucking like weird white knights with like like um i don't know with weird Worm jelly brains well. and they're yeah. shooting people in this world <laughs> where they also have when they get married you put fire and water and also they're fire bears and giant spiders how is this derivative this is just so it's so singular such a singular vision of an empty world full of just adventurers and spiders i mean i will give you that um as i mentioned before like i really do like the i like the production design throughout this movie i like that um you know at the beginning like uh the castle where i assume 
uh, Colin lives is uh, pretty minimalist compared to like a lot of set design now where it tends to be like kind of busy and it is nice to see something in an era before when you know if you had like an evil structure like a, a you know a ship or a fortress or a fortress that is a spaceship uh they have to make it black and pointy I don't know. I mean, like, the ship looks like the Devil's Post Pile or, you know, Devil's Tower or something. Yeah, because it's evil. Both landmarks with the words devil in it. So That's how you know it's bad. That's how you know yeah, it's full of evil. Well, yeah. I like that it that they didn't make it look like, um, what's his name, ship from, like, the first J.J. Uh, oh, Abrams Star, Star Trek? Trek movie. Yeah, well, I mean, the less said about J.J. Abrams' aptitude, the better. God, I, I feel like I'm the only one on the planet who hated that movie. What did the ship, what was it? Wasn't um, it the Enterprise? No, no, no. Eric Bana's ship, because he was like that rogue Romulan or whatever. And he had... Yeah, it was just a fistful of spikes. Which yeah. I think was the actual name of the ship. <laughs> he had like an evil pointy ship. Although um, that that movie does have one of my favorite moments from any movie ever, which is uh, when uh, Captain Pike uh, hails the Romulan ship. I forget the name of Eric Bana's character's name. And he says, you know, he introduces himself as I'm Captain Christopher Pike. And then Eric Bana, as this evil Romulan, says to him, Hi, Christopher, I'm Nero. Yeah. Like, they're doing therapy over Zoom or something. <laughs> yeah, very personable. He was like, so, oh, hey, Christopher, I love the movie. Fear Street books. <laughs> That's right. I always, th- I always wondered if that author took his name from Captain Pike. Apparently he did. Uh, I, oh, I read that he funny. actually did take it from Captain Pike. Well, there you go. But um, we were talking about pointy structures. No, we're talking about anything but Kroll because it cannot hold our interest. I, I... Um, well, uh, you know, I, I think I think it hold I think it held Mike's and my interest fairly well. Um, but let's step out of the box a little bit, and I'll ask Tim. Um, besides the widow in the web sequence, um, was there anything that you did like about the movie? The only thing that I the only impression it makes is that again the 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 five pointed spider knife. That's the only the impression glaive. that it had made. The thing that is called a glaive. Yes, yeah, the glaive. <laughs> called a glaive because that's what it is. It's a glaive. Right. The glaive. Um, so that is the only impression that um, this movie has made on pop culture. And I will let it stand at that. Wait. Oh, you mean the only thing people remember about this movie is the glaive? And the spider. Yes. Ah! No, no. The only thing that people remember is the about it is the thing that is called the glaive. Yeah, the glaive. <laughs> the sh- the chakra. Yes. Yeah, the glaive. Um, right. I don't know. I think a lot of people, if you ask them, like, "Hey, you remember that movie with the Cyclops?" They'd be like, "Oh yeah, the Cyclops." That Cyclops has real blinking action. I mean, that's pretty crazy. That was that <laughs> was state of the art uh, special yeah. effects in 1983. Right, yeah, there are there are great effects, there are great sets in this. Uh, there are uh, talented and skilled actors in this. It's fucking boring, man. You know, another thing I'll mention is uh, there is a lot, like we said, how there's all this implication of like more history and and world in Kroll than we actually get to see. Um, yeah, because one of the things they mentioned is the Cyclops. Uh, in ancient times, the Cyclops traded their eye their their second eye for foresight to the beast which implies oh the beast has been here before this is not his first rodeo on crawl which also it seems to be implied by the fact that yerber the old one knows all this shit about the beast you know yeah. and when the beast shows up everyone's like hey it's the beast 
that that dang old beast <laughs> oh, is this here. asshole again yeah, yeah exactly so there's a hit again there's a lot of backstory that we're not privy to and uh if it hadn't failed i'm sure we'd be getting a whole prequel miniseries on netflix all about the beast's first uh appearance on crawl yeah the when beast's the first just a little beast. yeah and just think of like what what hot young actor could play a a young yubber when he's yubber the young one instead of yubber the old one <laughs> Yeah, Jen, maybe you could get the uh, the guy from the solo prequel. He's not working. You know what else? Yeah. I do I do like when y- Yiver, Yiminer, what, what is his name? I can't <laughs> His name is... His name is Yinner. Yinner, sorry. Yinner, the old one. And he first appears and Colwyn is like, from the Granite Mountains. It's like, oh, okay. So this is a guy, again, apparently he's like really important. He's known in this world. It's a thing. We are never told why. We don't get anything. I mean, we don't really need to know why. We just need to know he's an old guy who shows up and you know gets the hero's quest started. He's um, I don't know what you call that 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 figure in um, you know. Uh, I don't ask Joseph Campbell. I don't know. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like a sage. You know, he's he's there. Yeah. As sort of Obi Wan well, Kenobi. Yeah. Well, okay. the thing is, is that on Crawl the the. Uh, the life expectancy is about 45. So anybody <laughs> who lives to 60 or older is called the old one and considered very important. I do like that he's called the old one, and but nobody is like, oh, but the, the Emerald Sage, who is like 100 years old, nobody remarks on his age. Well, well he doesn't seem you know, to There's old much. and then there's yeah, sage, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like middle-aged old. Yeah, yeah. Sage is old, old. Um. So the beast. Also, like, you know what? It's the, good. Okay, look, Obi Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. and Yinner are they're they're similar characters, but mm-hmm. the difference is Yinner when he was young he fucked, whereas uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was a weird sexless monk. Oh, are we considering prequels as canon now? Uh, that's not how I fuck with Star Wars. Oh, oh. I mean, I mean, we kind of have to, Tim, because it was Lucas. I'm not any happy. No, about we don't. It you are. No, we don't because there's because of Jar Jar. Like that's we don't have to include the prequels as canon. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, that's another that's another actor whose lives were destroyed, whose life was destroyed by the prequels. Ahmed Best. He said he considered right. suicide after Phantom Menace came out. Wow. Uh, hey, so did I. Hey, th- wow, George. <laughs> thanks a lot, George Lucas. How many how many lives has he destroyed? Just just a trail of just shattered psyches and his. You, you want the toys, kids, huh? You want the toys or not? Well, I mean, a lot of people are still getting residuals off that, off Willow. Off yeah, at what cost? Indiana Jones. At what cost? <laughs> yeah, at what cost? Jen? I mean, you got to break a few eggs. I'm just saying, George Lucas, history's <laughs> greatest monster. Well, where's the lie? Um, one question I do have to ask about this movie, and I would like to put it to you, gentlemen. Um, if you're older male friend turned into an animal would you pet him wait does that happen in this movie yeah of course wait, who turns uh, into an ergo... animal Contextual. oh oh when yes. ergo does it ergo turns into a puppy and he turns into a tiger both of which the the young child pets i mean you which seems weird to me tiger. what are you saying it's too gay is that what you're saying? That <laughs> men can't show affection, Jen. What's Tim. the problem? <laughs> I... Mike, the age gap. Oh, the oh, I mean, we're getting into age gap discourse here. <laughs> I think it's a very nice thing that Ergo does because um, Titch wants a puppy, and Ergo, d- j- who just wants a Guzberry pie, he just loves the fucking Guzberry pie so much. Fucking one note 
Joke. That's his thing. Look, it's like Garfield with lasagna. People were like, look, it was hilarious in Garfield. It's going to be hilarious now. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's milk that joke uh, for 30 years. Maybe not. Maybe that didn't pan out as much as they thought. But, you know, you can see the logic. But It is kind of fucked up to give the kid a puppy that he can't keep. Uh, but the kid seemed to figure it out. I think the kid understood what was going on. Because the way he's like, I've been I've been petting an old naked man. Yeah. Well, the way he says when when Colwyn is like, "Where's Ergo?" and uh, the kid is like, "Oh, he'll he'll show up later." It implies to me the kid. Oh, the kid knows this is Ergo. The kid. Yeah, I'm I just saying they were lying that kid him. knows what he's doing. He's not. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Look, Jen, that child consented yeah. to the relationship with the older man. Wait a second. Come on. Wait a second, Jen. So, are you saying that when this child is petting the dog, who is actually Ergo, both characters are grooming each other? <laughs> yeah, I guess that is what I'm saying. All right. Well, I, I, you, I but think, you guys haven't answered here? my question. Would you, would you pet your older male friend if he turned into an animal? Yeah, I, I'd do that. I would 100% pet any man that turns into an animal. Well, yeah, you, my, you for Mikey, it doesn't even have to turn into an animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, th that's all. The, those are all the questions. I have a crawl, to be honest. I, I, I think it's very clear to me how both of you feel about the movie. <laughs> you know what? Right. Um, you know what? I'll say this. When I was, a, when I was a, a young man, when I was younger, I went to another movie that I thought was going to be like Krull, because it sounded like it. A movie called Cull the Conqueror. That was no Krull, though. <laughs> Wasn't that... Who was in that? I think it was, like, the guy who was Hercules or something. You know, the... Ke was it Kevin Sorbo? Yeah, I think it was that guy. Oh. I don't know. It wasn't good. That guy has a lot of misinformed opinions. Yeah, he's not good. Yeah. He's he's no Xena warrior princess, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Now here you go again, you say, say you, you want, want burrito. burrito. <laughs> Lucy Lawless, everyone. Also in Battlestar Galactica, yeah. the reboot. Yeah. But, you know, mostly Xena. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's another thing, the Beast. Um... The, the Beast, beast Reborn. Oh, wait, we're not talking about Dune. No, no, yeah. Dune, Dune is not for another year. Uh, it corrects a lot of the mistakes uh, that Kroll had. The Beast mm. doesn't really... He, he's, a, he's a desperate old guy. But other than that, he isn't really a menace. Like, I mean, if I were to compare him to, like, you know, Darth Vader, first scene, like, he enters after, you know, uh, a battle... You know, am amongst the bodies of like dead stormtroopers and rebels, this guy, this guy is here to fuck shit up. You see him choking his own men. Uh, you, you know, you see him killing people throughout the movie. He's a bad guy. Sauron, Sauron is like a notion for the majority of Lord of the Rings. But in the beginning, you see him. You know, if you were there three thousand years ago, you see him as this armored juggernaut fucking shit up on the battlefield. You have a really clear idea of why Sauron sucks and why Darth Vader is an asshole. But throughout throughout the entirety of Krull, you only have like the vaguest of notions of what the hell this beast deal even is. All we know is he came here to steal, you know, someone's someone's girlfriend, which makes him as big of a menace as, you know, Robert Redford in indecent proposal. <laughs> So, so Tim, what you're saying is that, like the fact that the beast is basically uh, coercing 
this woman into marriage. The Beast is basically an interstellar rapist. That's not a bad thing. That's not, like, bad enough for you. It's well, not, well, hey, not enough to establish hey, him as the villain. If you turn into a dog, would that make it okay, Mike? Well, yeah, then. Well, that's... Yeah, I, I pet an older Beast that turns into a dog. Aha! Uh-huh. And the Beast can shapeshift <laughs> he because he turns into her lover. So if the Beast turned into a dog... It would, you would be okay with that. Hey, He's not even minute. a bad guy wait anymore. A minute. I'm not I saying realized... I wouldn't marry the Beast. I would marry the Beast in a heartbeat. She doesn't want to marry the Beast, though. That's the point here. The Beast comes down in his castle. He doesn't need to go out and, and fuck shit up personally because his slayers are doing their fine. They're doing fine. They're, they're killing people left and right. They're really good at it. They're, they can actually hit people on, like, fucking stormtroopers. So he doesn't what? need to get personally involved. <clears throat> he can stay in his castle and make weird, vague threats at this woman and be like, oh, by the the way i'm gonna fucking have my slayers kill everyone on your whole planet unless you fuck me i mean that that's a that's a threat that's a credible threat well, well it's coercive well i, mean, I get I, also- I guess because um you know the the it it is prophesied that there is going to be a king and a queen and their son is going to rule the universe i assume that the beast has a problem with that because he says that he would like to rule the galaxy with lissa by his side ah, there you go that's right so the, the beast is like he doesn't want to he's he's horde prime he doesn't want he wants to rule the whole galaxy he doesn't want to give it well, up it's kind of it's kind of a wash then i mean who do you root for the baby that we haven't met I mean, he, the baby could grow up to be an asshole. Well, he, I really that, feel he could be like, a worse beast. Well, I guess Jesus, they should have made some imagine, sequels. Can you yeah, imagine if... Um, because I guess this movie did even more poorly than Willow because there was no um, trilogy of books to follow it up where they explained how um, uh, Colin and Lissa's yeah. son grew up to be fat and spoiled and then didn't really have much to do with the story after that. Well, it wasn't that it <laughs> failed so bad. I think the the reason is we don't have a yeah, lunatic like George Lucas who has an infinite well of bad ideas to continue <laughs> like like putting shit out. They told the story they wanted to tell, and they're like, "That's it. Our race is run. We don't need any more." So guess... really, like, go ahead. The Tim. takeaway the takeaway then that I'm getting from this is don't watch don't and don't indulge. Don't even uh don't. Don't even give the time of day to sci-fi fantasy movies. Like it's a it's a cursed crossover. Well, let's. Um, what other sci-fi but, but, fantasy but, but, movies but, but, are there? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Like, um, you know, before we close the lid on that box, can you guys think of any other movies which combine the genres? Well, I was going to say Willow, but I think Willow's just you know a, a crappy movie. No, Willow's or, just from, it's, it's, it's Willow's a crummy just movie. straight yeah, that's fantasy. fantasy. It's like a modified. Okay, yeah, Hobbit. I think I think it's the it's the Lucas stink that is doing it. So I consider the uh, aggregate works of George Lucas as sci-fi fantasy. Maybe uh, just don't watch George Lucas movies. I I don't. Wait, I wait, would wait, not. Wait, wait, but you didn't. But you didn't answer my question. Like what? Like Willow doesn't really fit the bill because there are no sci-fi elements to it. It's like a high fantasy movie. Like, is are there other movies that we're forgetting or haven't heard of? Maybe so. I don't know why you would be able to name them that combine sci-fi and fantasy tropes. Because like I'm kind of drawing well, I, a blank. I, th- I think the point that Mike is making is that like he's not a fan of Star Wars, and that is kind of a sci-fi fantasy. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. it's got it's got spaceships well, no, and magic. No, no, no. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. That's a sci-fi no, fantasy. But that's but that's but that's space opera. It's like Flash Gordon. Mm. It does have fantasy does elements. Flash Gordon though. have magic in it. It's got kind of magic in it. So I'd almost say, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I think would the Dark Crystal count? That feels like it's kind of, um, you know, 
I wouldn't say there's sci-fi in it. I mean, there's yeah, some because crystal. It's, it's, um, I mean, maybe like what throws you off about Dark Crystal is that there are creatures in it. But, you know, like creature characters aside, it's like it's still fantasy. Like but, Labyrinth is fantasy. Um, Neverending Story is fantasy. Uh, Dragon Slayer is fantasy. Um, even like the, even the shitty ones, like, um, you got your, uh, I will say that Krull is a better movie than Hawk the Slayer. Um, Hawk the Slayer has like a, you know, kind of like a, a weird, um, like sword that you can like, that does magic things, but it's a magic sword. It's not like some kind of a laser weapon. And then, um, you oh, know, so it's uh, like a magic glaive. <laughs> Sword and the Sorcerer is, you know, same thing. It's 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 high fantasy. I mean, there's a triple bladed sword, but you know, somebody could plausibly make a triple bladed sword. You don't need magic or science to do it. Yeah, yeah, that would do. That would probably do like a D eight plus two. <laughs> wait, uh, Master. Um, if wait, you I disagree, right in. I'm curious. Well, here's a sci fi fantasy movie for you: Masters of the Universe. Hey, there you go. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's um that's that's not a good movie. <laughs> right. So okay, so then that kind of covers it then. Don't don't mix your sci-fi with your fantasy. It'll only I mean, end it's in pretty, tears. Uh, I or mean, that middling podcast pretty... content. That... <laughs> that movie's pretty entertaining, but like it's uh it's not good. It's got um uh what's her name? Meg Foster as Evil Lynn. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds very good actually. Yeah. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, spent two minutes really... thinking of it. Uh, it's because when they decided on it, they realized it was perfect and they couldn't do any better. I mean, can you imagine having a baby that's so evil you have to name it Evil Lynn? That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I, I know what I'm about. Yeah. That's, like, well, that's it's... the kind of baby that you kill right away and become <laughs> a widow in a web. Well, yeah, yeah, because then you're going to be like, this, this baby won't let me rule the universe. <laughs> I have to kill this baby. You know who should have killed their baby to keep them from making them not rule the universe? Uh, Queen Bath Marta. She tried. Yeah. She she did. She fucked up by not killing a bunch of babies. Because first there was a baby that was a prophecy baby, and she probably shouldn't shouldn't have had, raised a daughter. I mean, that was probably a bad a bad move. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, they're just they're they're destined to replace you know their. They're malevolent parents, I guess. Yeah. You know, Willow's really not very good. <laughs> no, it isn't. Not as good as Krull, that's for sure. I, um, I don't know, like, I, um... Because for me, like, Willow is, like, entirely a nostalgia thing. It was a movie that I uncritically enjoyed as, like, a tween. And so there's still, like, that little bit of, like, ah, you know, like, I have fond memories of watching this. I, did, I didn't grow up with Krull. Um, I kind of look at it as uh, you know obviously like it um i tend to agree more with tim like i'm i am very critical of it i do feel bad for a lot of the people involved because i feel like they they earnestly tried to make an entertaining film that was a little a little a, a lot okay a lot derivative of star wars um to the point where you have like a, a you know like a ship coming into frame as like the very first shot of the movie like bearing down on a planet very star wars yeah and then nothing happens for 10 minutes um and it's uh it's it's a movie with like certain you know visual pleasures to it which is silly but entertaining that's that's really like my assessment of it i would like to watch the riff tracks of it again 
Um, I do have this on DVD and in a 1080p copy, which I'll, I'll hang on to because, you know, some someday I might want to get high and watch this again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, high def is the only way to watch this movie. Yeah, it it, it looks really nice, and um, it does. Those uh, those fire mares are sure cool. I want to yeah, ride a especially if you're a horse so girl. Bad. I mean, yeah, they're horses. Everyone's got their something. Yeah, I want to I want to throw a chakram. You mean a glaive? The glaive. No, just any nice chakram. Oh, I mean, as long as it's not the glaive, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, one glaive's as good as another. It could be a polearm or a sword. Well, I mean, yeah. Here's a challenge for you, Tim. Okay. Um, if you were going to run this as a game, do you think mm -hmm. you could improve the storyline? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, well, let's I want, hear it. I want to see you do it. Why should I indulge you? Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know, we could do it on Twitch. That is a lot of work to indulge a premise that I'm already not even on board with. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm kidding. Like, I'm not, I'm not really like Tim. Run this as a game, but like, I would actually right. be curious. Like, if you know, you were to, um, you know, if you were to sit down with like a red pen or something, um, what do you think you would change? Uh, I would cut the characters. I would move the action up. I would um, maybe uh, backfill some of the stuff from the beginning so that we can get on to, you know, the actual journey, the part that's interesting. Uh, like, you know, Josh Olson made a great point about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which is, you know, mostly it's a lot of, like, wacky bullshit that happens in, like, the first half of it. But the movie opens with, you know, a... Um, uh, with a, a woman being shot in the face and a Nazi running around to like reassure the audience, like, look, interesting things are going to happen. Just stick with us. And I think that the movie just spends too much of the beginning on its lore, and then it doesn't really follow it up, you know, with the like the doing of like the 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 guys go on a quest. Um, you know, the king you know, makes a plea that convinces a bunch of brigands to go along with them. You know, they run into some minor uh, troubles. They get some horses and end up at the castle. I mean, the story itself is not very interesting, I want to say. Well, do you think that there is a way that you could maybe introduce more conflict into the story or maybe flesh out the characters that would help? I Well, one of the things I would say is maybe give some of the... Um, uh, some of the, the Band of Merry Men more stake in this because, like, when... When Liam Neeson's character dies, and and this is the thing that I realized too, when they're like running across that um that bridge at the end, like there's an earlier shot of the whole party going across it and one guy falling off, and there's like nine of them, and then on the way back them rescuing the princess, there's like five of them, mm -hmm. and how do you think any of those four guys who are basically just like talked into you know giving up their lives for this nebulous quest? Like, how do you think they would feel about it? Well, um, uh, don't your Yinner told them that this was a fame that could leave to their children. Yeah. He had a whole speech about it. Weren't you paying attention? Yeah, dead Yeah, dead guys aren't going to have children. Well, they do you know, seem more like guys who'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, uh, and like, I get the, the point, but like, we've we just come across these guys. Yeah. Like, they just exist as like D&D &D characters where it's like, I'm fully formed and I have no past history. Uh, I'll say this, like, I, I do feel that um, 
you know, if this, and you don't even have to go as far as like a, a Game of Thrones because you're, you know, you're making this for families, obviously. This is the, uh, you know, like it's, it's a typical American film where it's like, yeah, we'll have some violence, but we're not going to do anything particularly salacious because that would cut into our ticket sales. Um, I feel as though you could have made it a little more difficult for Cohen to win over this group of bandits because i mean like these guys they they look like hard asses and they, they the scene really plays like they're gonna like knock him on the head yeah. and rob him like they'll say like oh yeah sure we'll go along in your quest and then they'll try to cut his throat um, yeah except for robbie coltrane he looks like he's from a different movie yeah <laughs> well here, no but here's the he's thing. so young it's so funny this, yeah. this like, film. like uh, Liam Neeson looks young, but Robbie Coltrane like looks like a completely different person. Yeah, <laughs> he's not wearing the haggard hair. Um, yeah. Well, you know, because the thing is, look, this is like we said, it's kind of a uh, it's a swashbuckling, jovial adventure. You know, they can only be so grumbly about the quest, you know, before you start being like, oh, but these guys are a bunch of like assholes. This is a Game of Thrones. They're not going to be like. You know, so they're, they're won over pretty easily because, like, you know, they want to show that yeah, these guys but, are, you know. They're... Yeah, but I, I, you know, I get what you're saying. But it, like, like I said, you don't have to go as far as Game of Thrones. You know, like, I'm not like, he, least... he does like, I'm not saying that Colin has to tempt them with like, um, you know, pussy or something or, um, you know, do something well, like, like the... really underhanded to try to could, like be like, oh, he has a, like a bad, because he's a very pure character. But, you know, if there was maybe a little more of like a... Um... Well, give them an arc, give them some skin in the game. Like, why can't anyone be like one of the, you know, guards who saw like all of his, you know, comrades slaughtered by the beast? Why couldn't it be someone who's like lost a family or something to like these rampaging hordes? Yeah, like, the only like... one, The only person who is this even as affected is Thufur, whatever his character's name really is. Wiener. Because he's, yeah, Wiener. Because, like, <laughs> only the other, because he at least, like, saw some of these black riders, and he's like, oh, shit, Beast is back. But, like, no one seems affected by it. It's kind of, you know, like the, you know, in the prequels where, um, you know, Amidala's like, our people are dying, and, like, I haven't seen a single one of your people be mildly inconvenient. I haven't seen any of your people. Well, Where is this happening? We saw a whole castle of people get killed in the beginning, and uh, right. Tolkien has like skin in the game because he wants to get those manacles off. But he's also, even though he's a bandit, he's a man of honor, which is why he didn't want to take them off right there. He was going to take them off at the end when the quest was successful because he's that kind of guy. He's, you know, he's. Okay, so that's two characters. Yeah, we have eight more. Uh, they're they're background dudes. Well, you want to spend the whole time like being like, okay, every single one of these like eight randos like has to get a full backstory. Who cares about them? They're there to get killed. <laughs> Just saying. They're red shirts. Yeah, the main guys. They're gets, red tunics. So the main dudes <laughs> who you you know get the screen time and the character development. You know that you're like, okay, these are the guys that I want to not die, but but. You know the background guys. It's like eh, maybe a little less. They get they get their moments. Well, I think they, Liam Neeson yeah. had his like his hundred wives, and Robbie Coltrane was the one was the grumpy one who ends up being like, no, it's worth it. So you know they get their moments, but like they're not like the main. They're not the main guys, so they don't they they don't uh, they don't need that much development. Yeah, I... well, you've got the cart before the horse here because you're using the existence of characters to justify the scene where they die. Yeah, that's right. It, well, it's, it's like, well, if you cut that out, you know, you can kind of, um, 
uh, you know, you can, um, what is it like in math where, you know, you, uh, you know, slash out the, uh, divisor? Like, you can just cut out both ends of that. But then if you do that, then you suddenly don't have a script well, because it isn't important whether they're there or not. No, it's important because, look, if you're like, we're going to go fight the beast and the audience is like, oh, you're doing it with three guys? Okay, right. But if you're like, okay, we got about like 15, then it's like, okay, I believe this is a party. This is a party that's going to go and like kill some beast, you know? So you, you need the well, background guys just for uh, believability. Well, I don't know. Like in this movie, they, they do the thing where it's like, no. I must go alone. So I don't know if um, you necessarily need the cannon fodder unless you're trying to make like a tie-in video game. Well, you, you need to look like again. I mean, if you want a movie that's only like 10 minutes long, then fine. But like you need some, <laughs> you need some like, well, yeah, that's the problem. You need some What's shit to like uh, to fill it out. So that... I wonder if there was an Amiga game of this or something. Who would want to do that? Uh, let's I mean, see. Yeah. Oh, um, Several game in 1983, several games were developed with the Krull license. A Parker Brothers board game and card game was produced. An arcade game was released, and a console game was originally planned for the Atari 5200, but changed to the Atari 2600 because of poor sales of the 5200 system. Wow, failure <laughs> piling upon failure here. <laughs> That's like doubly sad. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Well, Tim, if you ever do get a wild hair to, uh, you know, improve this narrative by running it as a game with your magnificent GM skills, I, for one, would be curious to play it. I, uh, I already got other games to run. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not being serious, Tim. Yeah. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying I would have faith in you as a GM. Right. Well, good. I mean, I hope that, you know, that faith is well placed this Sunday when... You know, I I resume my uh, traveler campaign. Oh, did you get the did you get the article I sent you about traveler? Yes, but I haven't had a chance to read it. I've been recording this dumb podcast. <laughs> well, I think that's I think we've said enough about Kroll. This one's pretty easily available. Is it? Um, you know, like I said, it has become a cult film in the the years since 1983. I think that um, if you haven't already seen it. Uh, you'll probably have to watch it with a pretty uncritical eye. Or, you know, if you're like Mike and you saw it when you were eight, you might love it. I don't know. See, that that's that's the primacy effect. That's what I was trying to describe in our last episode. That's right. We, and we did make a correction on the official show Twitter. H-Y-S-T-Pod at Twitter.com. Right. Yeah. Mike, is there anything you would like to say to Tim? Um, <laughs> I'm not scared of horses. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've established that. He's scared of horses. Mm -hmm.